0: Well, hey, if you are a guest this morning, uh, I want to give you just a warm welcome. And for those of you watching online, glad you're tuned in. Uh, do want to just take a second uh, to mention something. Some of you received an email from me this past week about a campaign that we're jumping into um, called the Thrive Campaign. We would, we would, we would love to raise $40,000 above our normal giving by the end of the year. I don't think I need to tell any of you. I mean, we are living in precarious times. We're living in difficult times, uh, even dark times. And uh, many churches right now are having to have the conversation whether they're going to keep their doors open or not. I can tell you, even in our own community, we've had churches shut their doors and other churches that are having that conversation. We are in a blessed position where we are not having that conversation. But at the same time, we are behind budget right now. And guys, listen, we don't want to just survive, we want to thrive. Okay, And I strongly believe that if we as a church were to come together, pool our resources together, listen, we don't have to make cuts. We don't have to take a step backwards. We can take a step forwards and, and accomplish even more going into the next year. And so I'm, I'm looking to you, church, to help us do that. I mean, think about things like rock the block where we're able to serve our community. We don't want to have to cut things like rock the block. Trunk or treat where we had somewhere between two and 3,000 people. We want to beef that up next year. We want to do more. So we believe that God wants us to do more for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Even in these dark times, these precarious times, we find ourselves. So strongly believe that if we'll just pull our resources together and all be a part of this, we can meet that goal, even surpass uh, that goal. Some of you have been so faithful and so generous over the years. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We're able to do this ministry because of your faithfulness. Uh, Maybe you're in a position right now where you could give. A little bump, a little bit more uh, to help us meet this goal, um, I would say thank you in advance. Uh, others of you, maybe you're in a financial challenge right now. Uh, that's, that's understandable. But even if you can make a small sacrifice, uh, that, would be, that would be appreciated. And I believe God's going to bless that as you're investing in his kingdom purposes, especially during this time we find ourselves. Others of you are newer to the church, and maybe this is an opportunity for you to get on board and, and, and give for the first time. Uh, regardless, the point is we want everyone to be a part of this campaign. And again, I believe uh, that if we, we come together, uh, we, we, we won't just meet this goal. We're going to surpass this goal. And it's going to put us in a position to go into 2022 and, and do even more for the kingdom of God. Okay? So that's what this is about. And uh, I just want to say thank you, church, um, for, for your generosity over the years. Uh, we are ending uh, this series today, The Names of God. And I've said from the get-go, this, this series, why it's so important is because all these names that we've talked about in the Bible, they teach us something about God's character. They teach us something about our God, about Yahweh, that he is unique amongst the pantheon of lowercase g gods that the Bible talks about. He stands apart and so it's good for his people to know his character, and know who he is. A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. If you want a rich inner thought life, if you want to know your purpose here on earth and, and what you're destined for and why you're here, you need to know who your God is, this Yahweh that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And uh, this morning we're wrapping it up talking about the name Yeshua, Yeshua. Now, some of you might not know this, but Yeshua is actually technically Jesus' name, okay? Uh, Jesus, we get that from from the Greek and then into the Latin. Uh, You get the name Jesus from the Greek, and then the Latin changes it a little bit, and that's how we get to this name Jesus. It's based more on the Greek and the Latin. But Jesus grew up in a Hebrew family. Jesus grew up Jewish, uh, Mary and Joseph, his parents write Jewish. Next week, by the way, we're going to be k- k- kicking off a, a Christmas series, talking about Mary, and then we'll talk about Joseph. encourage you to be back for that. But they were Jewish. And so when they called Jesus by name, they didn't use the name Jesus. They, named, they used the name Yeshua. And Jesus is not the only person to have that name. Yeshua was a, a known name. In fact, we have a book in the Bible that technically in the Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And that's the book of Joshua. Okay? Yeshua... If you you translate from the Hebrew, the English would be Joshua. And uh, when Pastor Joshua found out about that, let's just say his head got a little big, okay, Uh, this this past week. All right, so we've had to kind of calm him down a little bit. But it means means Joshua, and you can see why that's important. That's a name where Joshua, who was he? He was this figure that God used to lead the people into the promised land. And just like that, Jesus uh, pays for our sin and makes a way for us to come into the promised land of God's presence for all eternity. So you can see in part why Jesus was named Joshua. Okay, but but also this word Yeshua, it's also a word that's used in the Old Testament. It's not just a name, and I thought this was interesting. This comes from Isaiah 12:2. We read this: it says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh is my strength and my song, and He also has become, and there it is again, my salvation. The root word of this word salvation, the root word that's being used there, guess what it is? Yeshua. Yeshua. And that's ultimately what Yeshua means. Technically, it means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. And I want you to notice what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying, God is my salvation. Okay, And because we know that God is our salvation, because we know Yahweh saves, I will trust and I don't have to be afraid. In the middle of whatever I'm dealing with today, no matter what season of life you find yourself in today, you don't have to be afraid because of this name of God. You know, many of you have heard my story, my testimony over the years. Uh, you, know, you know my testimony But I feel like I'm ripe for preaching this message because uh, I, I know what it is to battle fear. I know what it is to battle anxiety. I know what it is to battle depression. I know what it is to battle all of those things. Um, I, I, you know, when I was 16 years old, I did give my life to Christ. But at that, st- at that age, I had already dropped out of high school um, because I, I was hooked on, on drugs. And, and, and it was kind of that thing, you know, we read about the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, I kind of had one of those come to my senses moment. And, and, and now I'm a Christ follower, but I'm going, what have I done to my life? I have ruined my life. I, I'm working at a grocery store in, a, in the freezer department, in the, the dairy freezer department, freezing my butt off, okay? And, and, and I didn't realize at the time. Now I realize this was down in Texas. I realized that was God preparing me for Minnesota, okay? He knew that this is where I was going to end up. He was getting me ready for that. But at the time, I had no idea about this. I'm just sitting there going, my friends are in high school right now, and I'm a dropout working in a dairy freezer, and, and every time I would think about my future, every time I would think about my past and the things that I had done, I would, I would be st- strucken with anxiety to the point where I started having anxiety attacks. And some of you, you know what that's like to have an anxiety attack. You find yourself on the floor curled up in a ball, just praying it goes away. And my mind would be racing out of control, and my heart would be pounding, and it was like I was suffocating and couldn't get air, and I just wanted God to make it to make it stop. And I was battling this fear. I was battling this anxiety. I was battling depression. Friends, I have walked that. And what you call that, when you find yourself in a season, maybe it's not to that degree, but when you find yourself in a season where those anxiety attacks are happening, you find yourself wrestling with anxiety and fear and worry, what we call that is the storm. It's a storm. And when you are in the storm, you are going to battle fear. You are gonna battle anxiety. You're gonna battle things like even depression. That's what comes with the storm. But while I want to acknowledge that those things are real, fear is very real, worry is very real, anxiety have been very real in my life. Those things are not bigger than Jesus. Okay, Jesus still sits on the throne. And while I will battle those things probably for the rest of my life to one degree or another, I don't have to let those things win out in the battle for my heart. Okay? And so the question I want to answer this morning is what what do you do? What do we do when we are in the storm and we're wrestling with our fear? We're, we're wrestling with our, our depression. We're wrestling with our anxiety. And, 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 it's, and maybe it is winning the battle for our What do we do? Well, I want to look at a story where Jesus takes his disciples into a literal storm, okay? They go through an actual storm, and of course, it's to teach us a lesson about the storms of life. But we read about this in Matthew 8. So in Matthew 8, verse 23, we, we read this. It says, Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves I mean they swept over the boat. I mean, these are giant waves. And so you you can imagine how terrifying this scene is. My family was just up in Duluth, and my kids are learning about the Edmund Fitzgerald, and you read about that where the storm came in, like split this boat in half. They never found the crew. I mean sunk to the bottom of superior. I mean, this is terrifying. You can only imagine how terrifying of a scenario this would be. And what I want you to notice, do you notice that they were following Jesus? Sometimes we get this idea, if I'm following Jesus, I'll never have to go through a storm. Jesus (laughs) leads them right into this storm. Uh, Friends, the reality is we're all going to face a storm at some point, whether you are a Christian, whether you're not a Christian today, you are going to face a storm. You are either in one of three places. You are either right now coming out of a storm You are in a storm or you're going into a storm. But storms are a part of life. And even as Christians, we are going to find ourselves in in the storm, okay? It says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. I mean, they are terrified. But I love verse 24. But Jesus was sleeping, I mean, in the middle of this storm, what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Now, anyone who's done ministry, anyone who's preached on a regular basis, or anyone who has small children understands how you could sleep through a storm like this, okay? But I I, I think we're seeing the humanity of Christ, but I think we're also learning another lesson about Jesus. This storm just isn't rocking Jesus. He's just sleeping right Right through it. And you got to think, Jesus has dealt with some battles already at this point in his ministry. Jesus is, has already had it revealed to him what his destination is. He, he's going to die on a cross for the sins of mankind. To be honest, Jesus is probably to some degree it's like, this would be a mercy in my life. He's just not rocked by the storm. And isn't that true? Those of us who have walked through circumstances, those of us who have been through difficult situations, isn't it true? You just, the smaller stuff and the stuff you used to battle with, it becomes less scary. And you see other people panicking and worrying and, and you're just not as, as worried about because you've been through some storms. This Jesus. Jesus has already walked through some storms. And so this is, he's just, he's just sleeping. He's at peace, not rocking his world. It's rocking the disciples' world, though. Verse 25, it says, The disciples went and they woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Okay? And it's interesting. You know, again, this is written in the Greek so that the Greek-speaking world could read the Bible. But if you were a Hebrew speaker, if you're a Hebrew reader and you're reading this through the lens of, 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 of Hebrew, Lord, save us. What is that? the name of Jesus it's Yeshua they're simply saying Jesus us Yahweh save us Jesus this is the name of Jesus we're we're going to drown and I I bet some of us are here this morning and uh, that's where it's got to start for you just crying just crying out to to Yahweh to save you whatever your situation is Just crying out, Jesus, save me, Yahweh, save me from this storm. It is good and right to go to God and ask him to save you. I love Psalm 18. We read this. This is the Psalmist David. It says, I called to the Lord. I called to Yahweh, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, to Yahweh. I cried to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. This is the psalmist saying, I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord was good. Some of you today need to cry out to the Lord because you're in a situation, and you've been trying to do it in your own strength. You've been trying to finagle and trying to to, to make it happen on your own rather than just crying out to God, God, save me. Some of you are in a financial situation. You just need to say, Yahweh, save me from this financial situation. I keep trying to make it happen on my own, figure it out on my own. You just need to cry out. Some of you are in a marital challenge. You you, you need to cry out to the Lord to help. That's where it has to start. Or Maybe you're struggling with your children. Some of you are facing a legal problem today. And you need to cry out to the Lord to save you. That's where it starts. But, friends, here's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus wants more from us than just that. He's going to want more from us. Because here's the question I've learned, you know, when I was, again, 16 years old, and I cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. He saved me. But let me tell you something. It took some time to see that. And to see that, that prayer answered. And what do you do when you're in the waiting What do you do when you've cried out and now you're waiting and the fear is there? Okay, well, let's look what happens next. Jesus, verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Did Did you catch that rebuke there? I mean, it was good and right for them to come to Jesus and say, Lord, save us. He's not rebuking them for their prayer. He's rebuking them because of their demeanor. They have let fear win out in their life. And what he's saying is, have you failed to realize who's in your boat? I am convinced that fear begins to win out in our life when we forget who our God is. When we lose our vision for Yahweh, I'm convinced that's when fear and worry and anxiety begin to win out in, in our lives. And the church, I mean, this can happen even in church where we, we just, we, we lose our vision of who this God is. I, I remember when my, my son was just, he was really small, I don't know, maybe two years old, I, and, uh, you know, he, he, got, he became a pretty good swimmer a little later on to where anytime I went to a pool, he'd want to show me that he could jump into the pool and be like, Dad, Dad, look what I can do. And he'd want to jump and swim. But, you know, it didn't start off like that. It started off with where I would be in the pool, and I'd be trying to get him to learn how to swim and get him to jump in. And, and he would be terrified, right? He'd be standing at the edge of the pool like, ah. And then he'd back up, and he'd come Ah. And so it started with, like, just little jumps. Okay, just jump to me, son. And he would jump in, and then I would put him, put him back up. And then he would jump in, and I'd put him back up. And eventually, you know, he was, he was afraid, but eventually he got to where he could just leap. And this is at an age before he can swim. He knows, right, he's going to drown if I don't catch him, if I don't, if I don't pick him up out of the water. But he got to a place where just in confidence he could run and jump. Why? Because he knew his dad. And he knew his dad has a good heart, and he knew his dad's arms are strong. And because he knew I had a good heart, and because he knew his dad's arms were strong, he could jump with confidence. Now, listen, he couldn't do that with his uncle. He learned you jump with uncle. Uncle let you go under for a while, pull you up at the last minute, you know. But not dad. Dad, he could, he could leap. Dad, he could jump. Because dad has a good heart. And dad's arms are strong and could catch him and put him back up. And and friends, I'm I'm convinced that if we would see God, his goodness in his heart for us and his strong arms that can affect our situation, we would just be able to live our lives with so much confidence, so much more just faith. And so much less fear. I want you just to just imagine for just a second, I want you to imagine for a second that we were transported, just all of us right now, just whoop, transported, and now we are in the throne room of God. I want you to picture this. We are standing in the throne room. It's just giant throne room, all right? And as we're standing there, we are feeling the walls and the door frames and the floor. It's trembling, Right? It, it's shaking. And there are these mighty beings, we call them angels, and they are surrounded around Yahweh, and they are praising him, and they are saying, Holy, holy. Holy and day and night, twenty four seven. This is what they do. They praise Him. These mighty beings. That when you read about them in the Bible, anytime they show up on Earth, people go to their face. I mean, these are mighty beings. But what are they? They're, they're worshiping even a mightier being. Holy, holy, holy. You are set apart. You are set apart. You are. You are. You are other. You are different. You are holy, and they are worshiping this God day and night. And there we are. And from God, right? We are seeing lightning and thunder emanate from Him in this th- throne room as every. Everything is shaking and trembling, and we're told that the, 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 the train of his robe fills the temple. I was talking about this with Pastor Amanda, and, and she had done some research on this. What is the train of the robe? What does that mean from Isaiah when we read that? It actually has to do with when a king would conquer another king, they would cut the end of their robe off and attach it to their robe. As a way of saying, I I was the victorious one. I was the one that conquered. So I've researched that. And that's what these kings would do. And they would attach. it. And the robe, the more victories they had without a loss, it would go longer and longer. And we're told his train of his robe, it fills the temple. It's just telling us it's victory after victory after victory for Yahweh. And here he is in his temple being worshipped. Everything shaking. I'm telling you, if we were there right now, we're going to experience a measure of Fear but it's a good kind of fear. It's an awestruck wonder. It's an awesome kind of fear that you were actually created for. You need to know his glory like that. You need to behold him in such a way that it produces this fear because here's what's happened. When you realize who he is, your fears on earth begin to wane. When you see how mighty he is and how big he is, your problems here on earth begin to seem a lot smaller. When you take your eyes off of your circumstance and your situation and you put your eyes on this awesome, awesome Yahweh, you begin to think anything is possible because look at this God. Friends, when we fear God, we begin to fear the things of this world so much less doesn't mean our fears. It doesn't mean our anxieties, even things like depression. It doesn't mean those things are very real. And by the way, I'm not talking about clinical anxiety. I'm not talking about clinical depression, things that have to do with, you know, just ongoing chemistry problems in our brain. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about our circumstance and our situation that bring these things about. And those things are very real, but they don't have to win the battle for our heart, Okay? And so even like a couple of years ago, um, your pastor started to experience a, a season of real burnout, all right? And I had never been burned out. I had heard other pastors talk about it. Didn't quite know what that looked like, but I started to experience it. And, and here's how you know when you're being burned out. It's it, no matter how much of a break you take, no matter how much of a vacation you go on, no matter how long you get away, you don't ever recover. It's this weird thing. And it's terrifying because you don't, you're like, oh, how deep does this hole go? how long am I going to be like this where I'm not feeling any better, I'm not recovering, I'm not getting better and I still need to be able to give. And so I started to experience this burnout and it became a terrifying season in my life and be the first to say I made some mistakes during that season and some relationships were broken. And friends, it was a hard, hard season. The church was very gracious, gave me a sabbatical, let me get some time off. I started seeing a counselor and by the way, when you're experiencing these things, you, you need to see a counselor. that was been very good. That's part of... What I'm speaking from today is my experience with a, just working with a counselor who helped me to understand these things. But in that season, I sp- started to experience the anxiety attacks again. In fact, just about every day, I would have another anxiety attack, and I would find myself like, struggling to breathe. And just, I'm, I'm worried. I, I mean, if I can be brutally honest with you, I was, I was starting to wonder, like, can I keep doing this? God, I, I believe this is what you called me to, but... Do I have it in me to keep doing it? It's just terrifying. It's like this existential fear that I was experiencing about my life and the anxiety. And the fear and even the depression in that season, man, they were very, 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 very real to me. And I would be lying if I said they weren't winning out. They were. And then one day, I'm riding my bike. And I'm riding my bike, and the anxiety attacks, you know, constantly come every day. I'm, I'm, and this song came to me. I'm just riding my bike, and I'm telling you, it was like God just downloaded a song into my heart that I started singing while I'm riding my bike. And it was a simple song. You know, it wasn't like a pretty song. It wasn't, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. It wasn't that quite structured. But I started singing this song, and it was simply this. It was Jesus. You are my Savior. You are my strength. You are my song. Jesus You are my shelter. You are my refuge in the storm. And I just kept singing this song, this song of praise over and over and over again. So then the next day rolls around. And my anxiety attacks have gone away, right? No. No, they're still very much there. But now I'm prepared with a song. And in the midst of my storm, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of my anxiety, in the midst of my depression, I begin to sing out, Jesus, you are my savior. You are my strength. You are my song. Jesus, you are my shelter. You are my refuge in the storm. And just over and over and over. And I took my eyes off of my circumstance. I took my eyes off of myself. I took my eyes off the things of this world. And I put my eyes where they belong, on Yahweh. And let me tell you what happened. The light started to pierce the darkness. The darkness because now I'm worshiping. And I'm telling you, you want to fight back against the darkness in this world, what do you got you got to become a worshipper. Worship is your weapon when these things attack. To glory in the Lord, to remember the throne room of God that he is good and there is nothing he can't do. I would tell you this, and this isn't putting myself on a pedestal or anything, but the only reason your pastor has made it through that season is standing up here today is because your pastor learned how to worship. And so I wonder for, for 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 some of us today. I know it might sound weird, you know, thinking up a song. If, if you struggle with that, man, just look at the Psalms. That's what the Psalms are—they're songs that you can learn to sing and that you can learn to say in the scriptures, that you can learn to quote to push back the darkness when the storms of life hit so you get your focus where your focus needs to be, on an awesome, awesome, awesome God whose heart is good and whose arms are strong. And so I just want to end by reading Psalm 34. The psalmist clearly knew this. You read the psalms. He understood everything I'm talking about today. Psalm 34 says this. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in Yahweh. Let the afflicted hear and... Rejoice, praise Yahweh with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought Yahweh and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Doesn't mean they're not there, but they don't gotta win out. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. I am the poor man. I can call on him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear Yahweh, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Church, let me pray. Yahweh. Jesus, the one who saves, we call upon you today. Lord, some of us right now, we just need we to cry out in your name. Lord, save me. I need salvation today. <laughs> save me, Lord. I'm crying out to you. And God, as we wait and we're in the midst of our storm, help us to keep our focus where our focus belongs on you, Lord. Help us to know that your heart is good and that the, your arms are strong and that nothing is impossible for you, God. Would you breathe that kind of faith into us this morning? We could walk out of here after worshiping you because church, hey, we're gonna get enough time to worship. We get an opportunity to praise his name this morning. And church, I'm asking us to push back the darkness. Can we do that? Let's push back the darkness because God, you are greater And we want you to sit on the throne of our heart, conquering, giving us victory over every fear, worry, and anxiety in our lives. Would you do that for us this morning, Jesus, as we turn our attention to you? We ask this in your name. And all God's people said amen.